The following podcast is a glimpse into the life of Ecclesia Houston. We pray it is a blessing as you seek to follow Jesus, the liberating King, and live in his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven.
God of heaven, come down, heaven, come down. Ecclesia, hear these words from the prophet Isaiah. On this humbled ground, a tiny shoot, hopeful and promising, will sprout from Jesse's stump. A branch will emerge from his roots to bear fruit. And upon this child from David's line, the spirit of the Eternal One will alight and rest. By the spirit of wisdom and discernment, he will shine like the dew. By the spirit of counsel and strength, he will judge fairly and act courageously. By the spirit of knowledge and reverence of the Eternal One, He will take pleasure in honoring the Eternal. He will determine fairness and equity. He will consider more than what meets the eye and weigh in more than what He's told. With just a word, He will end wickedness and abolish oppression. With nothing more than the breath of His mouth, He will destroy evil. He will clothe Himself in righteousness and truth and the impulse to right wrongs will be in his blood with unwavering steps and integrity uncompromised. He will establish peace. A day will come when the wolf will live peacefully beside the wobbly kneed lamb. The leopard will lie down with the young goat. The calf and the yearling, newborn and slow, will rest secure with the lion and the little child will tend them all. All my holy mountain will be free of anything harmful or destructive. For as the waters fill the sea, all of the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the eternal. And then on that day, that root from Jesse's line will stand as a signal for the peoples of the world who will come to him seeking guidance and direction. And glory will be restored to the land where he resides. And so Ecclesia, even as we await our coming king, we know that he already stands triumphant. And so today, we light the candle of victory. Learn to rest even while you 
Ecclesia family, please join me in this offering prayer. In this season of anticipation, we gather our hearts as one family, offering our lives to the building of your new world. We remember your coming, 
celebrate your presence and await your return. Creation has received your greatest gift, a baby born to heal all. May we respond in faith by laying our very best at your feet in worship. May love and peace reign and our coming King to be celebrated with every breath. Amen. Ecclesia, hello friends. Welcome to the first Sunday in Advent. Can you believe that we are this far into 2020? Uh, it, sometimes it feels like it took us a while to get here, but we're here. Uh, welcome to Advent. Wanna make sure that you know about the amazing things that we've got coming up for you in Advent as we consider what it means to anticipate the birth and the coming of Jesus and what it looks like for us to celebrate his life, his birth well, that doesn't just bless us, but it blesses so many people across the world. So first, I wanna let you know about our Elder Street Art Market. We are doing it a little different this year. It's gonna be completely 100% virtual. We're doing that because we want to still create a space where you can get handmade, interesting, unique, items from vendors all across the city that you can also know that those proceeds will go to help provide clean water for those across the globe who desperately need it. We won't miss the chance to do that. We're going to do that. We're going to do it safely, completely 100% virtual. You can go to ecclesiahouston.org advent to go ahead and start browsing, taking a look at those vendors, and then you can make those purchases and set up to uh, come in on Saturday and pick them up in a safe drive-through environment. Uh, we would love to be able to bless so many people with the gift of clean water, and we'd love for you to have some amazing gifts to share with your family and friends. What a way to do both of them. Go to ecclesiahouston.org advent so that you can participate. Next, you've heard a lot about my favorite event from me that's turning wine into water, and that's coming up really soon. That's not this Thursday, it's next Thursday, December 10th. And the deadline to sign up is quickly approaching. That is Monday, December 7th. We want you to be a part of this. What an amazing opportunity to share some great wines and share the story of how providing clean water makes such a huge difference for so many people across this globe. Amazing that we get to do both. What a gift. We want you to be a part of that. We've partnered with our friends, our dear brothers and sisters in Israel at Tulip Winery. Again, amazing wines and an even more amazing organization. We love them. We want to be able to share those with you. Uh, the charcuterie class, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. You're going to learn a lot. What an amazing gift. And then you are going to love these handmade desserts that we've made. So again, sign up by December 7th so that we can set up and schedule to either get those delivery to you, delivered to you or so that you can come pick them up safely in a drive through experience. Go to ecclesiahouston.org advent. Lots of different ways to participate. Lots of different ways to invite family members and friends into that. You don't want to miss it. Next, Ecclesia, I want to make sure you're aware of a podcast that we're doing, especially for you in this Advent season. We're calling it A Thrill of Hope. We've done this in the past, and believe me when I say that we have such an amazing and talented staff, and they've got some amazing gifts to offer in this podcast. So there's going to be some original music. There's going to be some teaching from uh, some of our pastors, and there's going to be plenty of space for fresh liturgy and prayers to help us slow down, to help us contemplate, to uh, 
help us share hope in this season. That's available now. You can find that at ecclesiahouston.org slash advent. You can also find that if you're an Apple person in the Apple podcast page, uh, you can search for Ecclesia. You can search for uh, a thrill of hope. Uh, if you can't find it, ecclesiahouston.org slash advent, easiest way to find it there. You don't wanna miss this. This is gonna be a great gift and a great rhythm to exercise during this advent season. For years, we have partnered with an amazing organization here in the city of Houston called Living Water International. And we partner with them every Advent to make sure that as we celebrate and we give gifts, that we also give some gifts to our brothers and sisters across the globe who desperately need clean water. Uh, you can't imagine what a difference that makes. And so this year, we're gonna be continuing to focus on that. And you can be a part of that gift to make sure that people get the clean water they so desperately need. And you can participate in that by going to ecclesiahouston.org slash advent. And there's a place where you can give there. What a gift and what an honor it is for us to pool our resources and to bless so many of our brothers and sisters that we may never even meet in a huge, meaningful way. You don't wanna miss that, ecclesiahouston.org slash advent. So lastly, Ecclesia, it's my joy and honor. It's a privilege to uh, set the stage for our lead pastor, Chris C., as he's going to open the scriptures today with us and lead us into this first Sunday of Advent as we consider what Jesus' birth and his arrival means for all of us. My prayer for you is that this offers hope and this offers a chance to pause and slow down, uh, to truly worship fully today. So may you sense and feel God's presence as Chris opens the scriptures and speaks to us today. We love you, Ecclesia. God bless. Ecclesia, this is Pastor Chris, and I wonder how you're doing today. I hope it's been a fabulous holiday so far, that you've enjoyed Thanksgiving with some people that you love, and that you're ready to join me on a journey, uh, a journey that we know in the Christian calendar is Advent. It's a season of waiting. And we've done a lot of waiting, uh, waiting and expecting. And as we wait together, we're waiting a savior to be born that will change everything for everyone. And we have a lot of reasons to hope, but we also have a lot of reasons for concern. Um, there's a common phrase that's been going around this year, right? That people will say, we're all in it together. And some will kind of laugh a little bit and like, we're in it together, but your house has got, you know, a home theater in it and mine doesn't have a TV, right? Or maybe you're like me and you have TVs, but you were smart enough recently to cancel cable because you know it's just, it's not been good for you. Uh, all the things that are on cable TV. But ultimately, we're in it together. Uh, in fact, as Christians, we call it uh, something slightly different. We say we're people of a common cup. Um, that we share the common cup, that when we come to the Eucharist, as Jesus would say, he said, would you drink of this cup, both of my joy and of my sorrow, right? And he, he knew that there would be times we wouldn't want to drink that cup of sorrow. And we're in it together, not just with brothers and sisters in Houston, but brothers and sisters all across the globe. And for Ecclesia at Advent, that means that we come to a place that we stand with brothers and sisters, that what's in their cup is sometimes very literally dirty water. Um, they live in a place where they lack basic sanitation and hygiene. And we've all learned a lot this year about sanitation and hygiene, right? We've never been cleaner. You've never washed your hands more. And to be with brothers and sisters all across the globe that need to wash their hands more as well and don't have access to soap 
and clean water that you need to wash your hands and stay healthy and well and strong. And so Ecclesia, more than ever this Advent, we want to be a people of radical generosity. The greatest gift that we give this Christmas would be a gift literally to Jesus. And Jesus said, if you want to give a gift to me, you give it to the least of these. I was so blessed to hear this message from our dear friend, Mike Mantell, the CEO of Living Water, as he reminded us a bit about what it's been like for brothers and sisters across the globe during this COVID pandemic. I think you'll be blessed to hear his words. And then I wanna invite you into some scriptures so that we can contemplate our role in what God's called us to together. Friends, with all the headlines of hoarding, isolation, illness, quarantine, and closure. Anxieties are running high. But there is another perspective. We are seeing the church body come together as a global body because what impacts one of us impacts us all. Our fight with COVID-19 is an unprecedented opportunity to come together as a unified global body of Christ. I am so honored to be a part of a community like yours that has responded to this pandemic by calming fears, educating, leading, and sharing the good news of the gospel here at home and around the world. Living Water International's core ministry of WASH, the acronym for Water Access, Sanitation, and Hygiene, is the first line of defense against pandemics like COVID-19. We are so thankful for you. Through your partnership, we are together on the front lines, demonstrating and proclaiming God's love in the poorest, most vulnerable communities on earth. The positive headlines of the day are not about isolation and illness. They are about the connection and love you exemplify, even in times like these. You Be encouraged. Ecclesia, I don't know what's in your cup fully. You probably don't know fully what's in mine. Um, but we know that we have brothers and sisters across the globe that could use our help and assistance. And our offerings and gifts this year are so important. Whatever it is in your cup, um, many of us, live with this proverbial glass half full or glass half empty mentality. Uh, a study at UC Davis called this the gain frame or the loss frame, right? And part of what this study found, and I believe it's true for you and it's true for me, is that life is very much about how you frame it. They found that when they were inviting people to take a surgical procedure, um, that if it was presented that this surgical procedure had a 70% success rate, people went, wow, that sounds great. I, I think I'll get that surgery. But on the contrary, if they shared the same information but flipped it in a loss frame and said, this surgery has a 30% failure rate, that people went, oh, that sounds alarming. That sounds a bit dangerous. Maybe I won't have that surgery. What was most fascinating about the study was that when uh, they then brought those same groups through and they reframed it. So the first group uh, gets the positive news, the gain frame first. And when they hear the loss frame, they will also adjust to the loss frame and think, oh, that could be a bit dangerous. But the second group, 
that starts with a loss frame. You know what happens when they present the positive perspective and they remind them, but 70% of the time, this surgery is successful. When they hear the loss frame first, they hear the negative first, they struggle to leave the negative. Ecclesia, I believe you and I are very much the same. We, our brains naturally attach to the negative and we forget the positive. And once we get in the negative, it's really hard to get out of it. And we are made as Christians to be a people of gratitude and gratefulness. And when we get lost in that negativity, it's hard to hear the voice of God. I'll never forget, I was 23 years old. I just started a church in Waco, Texas, University Baptist Church. And our church was really successful. There were a lot of people coming to the church and I was young and there was a local pastor who for some reason became my critic. I, I ended up getting him on the phone and I thought, I just need to tell him who I am and he'll like me, right? And I'll never forget. Um, this man used words that literally crushed me. You don't need to hear the whole thing, but I'll tell you, I, I memorized them. They're, they're seared in my mind. At one point in this phone call, he said, son, you won't amount to anything. Now, that's about as harsh as you can get to a young pastor, right? When you're an older, established pastor. And I could tell you today, I could, I could tell you every word that he said to me on that phone call. And now sometimes I've used it as motivation, right? So I'm gonna show him, like, I'll do something positive for the Lord. And, um, I'm, I may have been tempted a few times to send him books that I've written. Like, is this, I also led a translation of the Bible. I, you know, you're kind of tempted to, but the truth is, I, I remember every word that he sp spoke to me, these negative, harsh words. And there are thousands of people, thousands of you, in fact, that have told me just the opposite. You've come to me at times and said, thank you so much for your gifts. Thank you for the way you shared generously. Thank you for your love. You've encouraged me and spoken words of kindness. And there's this strange reality that I've often released those words and I've stuck to these negative words. And I gotta tell you, Ecclesia, the only way to get out of that pattern is to live in a flood, literally a waterfall of gratitude, of, of hoping and clinging to those generous and kind words. Years ago, I, um, I had a ritual uh, with my boys when they were younger. We'd take Saturday. Saturday was a day that I was preaching. And so I'd want to start out the mornings with them. And I would take them to uh, our favorite little Mexican fast food place, Taco Cabana. We called our mornings Taco Cabana in the Bible, right? We'd sit on the patio and I'd share a little devotional thought, right? They're young boys. They didn't want to hear me preach, but they'd, they'd hear a devotional thought. I'd read a little bit from the Bible. And I'll never forget one Saturday, it was just Christian and I. And I was talking to him about this subject, about gratitude. And he said, Dad, they taught us about this in school this week. And when I get home, I'm going to show you my notes. And this is what he showed me. He, he was significantly impacted as a young boy uh, by these reminders. And, and his teachers taught him this. They said, if you have to park in the furthest parking spot when you go shopping, right, in the parking lot, you should be grateful because that means you can walk. Right? Or if you have to clean up your house and it's a mess because you had a party, you ought to be really happy and grateful because that means you've got friends. Or I, he loved this one because we used to have to do this and we all hated it. All of us make our kids get up and clean out the gutters, right? And uh, they said, if you have to clean out the gutters of your house and all the pine straw and everything that's in it, you can be grateful because you've got a house, right? And I loved hearing that Christian was inspired by these things. And these are, again, the way to look at things in a game frame, right? 
And he knew it. He's like, Dad, that's what you were talking about. And then I took him to get a haircut. He was just at that stage where uh, he was getting his first like grown-up haircut, like where he gets to look up a photo and say, I want my hair to look like this, right? Instead of just the regular old little boy bowl cut. And, uh, and the really sweet Vietnamese lady thanked me and gave him a good haircut and said, I'm really glad that you brought your grandson to get his haircut today. <laughs> I thought, are you kidding me? And uh, I was trying to find the game frame, right? I'm like, do I look that old? I can't look that old. He's not my grandson. Um, and sometimes I get stuck and sometimes you get stuck. You know what? The Apostle Paul got stuck too, but I'm really grateful that he wrote about in Corinthians, and I'm going to read to you from Philippians, about this kind of gratitude. And he lived it. He lived it because if you read his letters, you'll see him taking whole chapters to thank people, thank people that cared for him. That's the kind of thing I want us to do in this season and really as a habit in all of our lives. This is how Paul puts it in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. I'm going to start with verse 4. He says, rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, in troubles, hardships, and distresses. Ecclesia, we've got to endure some things this year, some things that are hard, some things that are difficult, but God has prepared us to do just that. He says, in beatings and imprisonments and riots, the passage I'm going to read to you next in Philippians, he wrote from jail. In purity, understanding, patience, and kindness, and the Holy Spirit, and in sincere love, in truthful speech, and in the power of God, with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left, through glory and dishonor, bad report and good report. The reality is life is a mixture of bad reports and good reports, but we can choose to look at it through that game frame. Genuine, yet regarded as imposters. Known, yet regarded as unknown. Dying, and yet we live on. Beaten, and not killed. Sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. Poor, yet making many rich. Isn't that a blessing to think? What if we found pride in not making ourselves rich, but in making others rich? Having nothing, and yet possessing everything. That's the phrase I wanted you to focus on, Ecclesia. Paul said, this, this view that comes from a perspective of faith, the kind of faith that lets you look at life through the gain frame, he says, that kind of view will let you live as though you have nothing and yet you possess everything. And I would suggest to you, Ecclesia, that typically we live in the opposite way. We have everything and we live as though we have nothing. We focus on what we don't have rather than what we do have. And this advent, I wanna invite you to look through the gain frame. Would you look at the things around you, the things you have? Not the car that you want, but the car that you have. Not the house that you want, but the house that you have. Not the family that you want, right? Sometimes they're driving you crazy this year. Would you be grateful for the family that you have? The friends that you have. The gifts of leadership, intelligence, vocational skills that God has given you. And would you join me in making a commitment now this Advent, not to focus on everything that's being marketed to us, right? The world is designed now to lead us towards a place of envy. And that's what I want to invite you into, this reality that gratitude destroys that kind of envy. I was fascinated years ago to read a study 
uh, about trauma and PTSD. I've been fascinated by the way trauma affects us and affects our brains. And what they found was that among Vietnam veterans, there was almost no incidence of PTSD among those who reported that they lived their life in gratitude. They were able, even in war, to focus on the positive. They looked through the game frame. And by being grateful, even when life was hard, they were able to avoid some major trauma to their brain and major injury to their brain. And I wonder, Ecclesia, if we as well could focus in a difficult season and in a difficult year. I'm gonna join you on New Year's Eve and having the biggest party I've ever had. I'm, I'm done with this year, right? I want it to be over. But I can tell you that if we'll focus on gratitude for the rest of the year, we will end stronger and better. In Philippians 4, Paul puts it this way in verse four. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Now that sounds like a trite saying until you remember that Paul was writing it from a Roman prison. This was not, right, a country club jail. This was a hard place. And he says, I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Right? Paul was writing from jail and he was saying, I wanna be a person that rejoice. I wanna be a person that rejoices. And I want you to be a person that rejoices. I don't know if you've ever been to jail, uh, literally years ago at Ecclesia, I was preaching a passage from Philippians and I made the mistake of asking the question and inviting people to raise their hand. If you've ever spent a night in jail uh, or any time in jail, raise your hands. Ecclesia, it's amazing. It seems like almost all of you have been to jail. And I'll give you a confession, me too. Unpaid parking ticket right here, Houston, Texas. And you know what I did when I got into jail? There's a phone in the cell. And you know, you can call, collect, and you gotta have a few friends. Who are your friends that you'll call if you're in jail? You know who they are? You ought to call them now and let them know they're that friend in case you have to give them a collect call and thank them for being that kind of friend. You know the message I had from jail? Get me out of jail, right? If I was Paul and I was writing from jail, my letter would just say, please get me out of jail or bring me some food and deodorant to jail, right? And here he is and he's able to be grateful. And he, and he says, we should rejoice. And then he gives us this beautiful principle. And this is what he says. And this is what I want you to hear today, Ecclesia. Gratitude requires intentionality. It won't happen by accident. This is how Paul says we should do it. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, whatever is excellent and praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Ecclesia, you want to know how to be grateful? We got to refocus our attention from crazy politics, from bad news about the pandemic, from uh, gossip. And I'm telling you, gossip has become institutionalized with the internet. We gossip about people we don't even know. And Paul says, if you'd focus on what's true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, or praiseworthy, you'd find your heart's gonna be filled with gratitude. I want to live with that kind of intentionality. And I wanna invite you to do the same. This is what I believe it will take, Ecclesia. You're gonna have to put down social media. 
You're going to have to put down the internet, which is built on uh, capturing our attention with negative thoughts, right? That's what clickbait is. Clickbait pulls at the worst of us, not the best of us. Put that down. Let's pick up our Bible. Let's read a devotional. Let's focus on Advent and the season. What else do we know about gratitude? Gratitude, I believe, crushes envy. As Paul reminded us, if we focus on what we have rather than what we don't have, we won't spend our time being envious of other people. And envy is literally, it's like cancer for our souls. Would you focus in this Advent season on the many blessings God's given you? Thirdly, gratitude tells us this, it brings out our gentler side. I don't know about you, but for me, when I'm in a place of gratitude, I'm grateful to God for what he's given me, it's just easier to be kind and patient. So here's a few points on how to practice gratitude. I got six of them for you quickly. And the first one relates to that. As you embody that gentleness, don't be that guy or that girl, right? The, the one that at the restaurant is just picky every time, that's gonna find the things that your server doesn't do well. I'm telling you right now, if those of you that waited tables know, to be a waiter in this pandemic, how awful is that, right? And most of us don't wanna eat indoors, we're eating outdoors. I had this beautiful meal last week, and this waiter, I mean, it was a disaster from beginning to end. He literally spilled a whole pitcher of water on me. And, uh, and it was cold outside, right? I was literally with my friends just shaking a bit. And, uh, and I kept thinking like, surely he's gonna bring me a free appetizer or something, right? Like my lips are turning blue. No, nada, nothing. But you know what? This guy had probably a great smile under that mask. And, and he just kept at it. He just, it was not easy for him serving us that night. And he just kept at it. And I was grateful at the end of the night to be able to encourage him and leave a big tip and to be a part of his life in a positive way, he did not need me to chastise him for spilling water, right? He didn't intend to do it. Let's choose not to be that guy or that girl. And let's choose to be a blessing to everybody we encounter. Second, let's try our best. This, this one's not easy, but to be grateful in the hard things. This is what we do know, that it's difficult things that shape our character. I've told you this before, none of us uh, find out our great strengths and, uh, and are defined in who we are by easy seasons, right? You, you don't develop character from sitting around eating, eating chocolate cake all the time, right? You don't. Uh, if your life is easy, you don't learn. But when it's hard, you learn what you're made of. You learn how to do the right thing, even when it's not easy. Thirdly, right? Coming back to intentionality. What do you think about? And then how do you create routines to be intentional how do you create routines of gratitude? For me, I've learned in this season, flowers in my house are really important. And so I'm keeping flowers. I'm at Trader Joe's every week getting fresh flowers. And I get up in the morning and my morning cleaning because somehow our kitchen at night, the boys come down and make a mess. There's something about cleaning and I have this beautiful robotic vacuum. If you don't have one, get one. They're amazing. They do the work for you. And I can just watch this thing buzz around and pick up the dirt while I clean up. And it's the time I pray and I drink my coffee and it's a routine that has helped me. Figure out your routine and schedule and how it can help you. Fourthly, find a, a way to practice a gratitude journal. Um, you don't have to journal everything. Most of us don't wanna write down all of our deepest feelings because some of them are depressing, right? But if you focus on what you're grateful for, or if you're in a relationship with someone, like have, have a, a, a journal that you can both write to each other, things you appreciate about each other and bring out the best in each other. Fifthly, think about this, just volunteer. Something about serving will make you grateful. 
When you come serve the homeless at Ecclesia, you, you get down here and you get to see your just gratitude will overflow in you. And then lastly, would you be a person that vocalizes that gratitude to your loved ones? Just these holidays, would you just say the things you're grateful? Say them out loud. Because when you say them out loud, you're going to prompt that in other people. And they're going to be reminded that they have much to be grateful for as well. Jesus said it this way, and I'll close with this thought. In John chapter 14, Jesus said, don't let your hearts be troubled. He says, don't grow weary. He says this, he says, you believe in God. Believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. This is what Jesus is saying. He's not just giving us a trite statement to say, don't grow weary. He, he's actually telling us why not to be weary, because we know the end of the story. Now, you may be caught up in a trial right now that feels like you'll never get out. I know the feeling. But this is what I do know. You will get out. That trial will be over. And that because of the truth of scripture, we know how our story ends. And it ends with us and Jesus. It ends with eternity in peace and in beauty and a place of great hope. And because we know how the story ends, we don't have to fret the day-to-day -day details in the same way. This Advent can be a season of massive heart change for us. I believe 2020 can be our best Advent ever. If 2020 won't bring us to our knees before Jesus, nothing will, right? And in that place, I believe and trust that God's up to something beautiful. Ecclesia, give me a moment to pray for you and ask God to bless you. And I want to remind you of this as we pray, that the blessings God has given you are not just for you to enjoy. As you experience gratitude for those blessings and you look in your cup, our common cup, the cup that we share, and you look at it and say, God's blessed me with all this. You have a gratitude journal and you write it out and say, this, these are the things. Be reminded, all those things you have to be grateful for are the gifts God has given you to share. They're yours to share. And now our job is to empty that cup in being a blessing to others. That's what Advent's about. That's what the Jesus story is about. And I'm really grateful, Ecclesia, to be on that journey with you. Lord God, I thank you. I thank you for the abundant blessings that you've poured out on us. And I pray that in this season, we uniquely as people of faith could be a people that live in the gain frame. We could see things naturally from the positive and not from the negative. God, don't allow us to be the people that get stuck in the negative. We hear the criticism often, especially if it's undue or unfair criticism, we hold to it even tighter. We, we can't stop thinking about it. Lord, through your Holy Spirit, would you release those criticisms from us? And would you help us to focus on those that have been kind and loving and encouraging to us? Would you help us to see what's right with the world instead of everything that's wrong with the world? And would you help us to lead our children and our community to live a life that sees those same points of beauty and light all around us? We pray all of this together and we pray it in your name. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Friends, as we prepare our hearts now for the communion table, please join me in this confession prayer, which is written for this Advent season. As we long for the coming of Jesus, we contemplate our sin and our need of a Savior. Come, long-expected Jesus, 
excite in us a desire for the wisdom of the Father. Forgive us the foolishness and harm of our words and actions. Come, long-expected Jesus, excite in us a hunger for peace throughout the world, in our homes, in our hearts. Forgive us when we cling to our sad divisions, resentments, and shame. Come, long-expected Jesus, excite in us the joy of the Spirit you have given us. Free us from any sorrow and anger that blinds us to your wondrous creation. Come, long-expected Jesus, excite in us love for you and all of our neighbors. Forgive us for tirelessly seeking our own interests. Come, long-expected Jesus, excite in us a faith that never underestimates the power of your hand. Forgive us when fear hinders our obedience to you. Lift our heads in contrite hope and renew our hearts to receive your arrival as never before. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. And so, friends, we return again to this table, this place where we remember Jesus week after week because we are a forgetful people and we need to be reminded of the story of Jesus, of his incarnation and his life and his teachings and his death and his resurrection and his ascension, all of which are acts of love for us. And we also anticipate, as we anticipate Christmas, we also anticipate the second coming, the, the heavenly banquet feast where we will feast eternally with God. And so this table is a foretaste of that table. And so the anticipation of Advent becomes our anticipation in communion as well. So we remember how the night before he went to the cross, Jesus gathered with his friends, his disciples, and they ate the Passover meal. And in the course of that meal, Jesus took bread and he blessed God and he broke the bread and he offered it to his friends. He said, this is my body, which is given for you. Whenever you eat this, do this in remembrance of me. And then they ate the meal and he took a cup of wine. Again, he blessed God. And as he offered it to his friends, he said something new. He said, this is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for you and for all for the forgiveness of your sins. So whenever you drink this, do this in remembrance of me. So Lord, this day, may our elements gathered in our homes throughout the city, throughout the country, throughout the world, may they unite us at your table. May they be for us the body and blood of Jesus, and may they unite us in anticipation of, of your table, where we will feast eternally as your daughters and sons. We pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Friends, let's feast and celebrate and continue to worship together.
Now is the time in our service where we pray over our kids. Um, but before we do that, I just wanted to share with you um, and invite you into um, a, an Advent camp experience that we're doing this year. It's called Yonder. Every Sunday morning at 9 a.m. for a pre-recorded session of worship, a story, and yoga, and an activity challenge. You can find it at ecclesiahouston.org online. So if you'll join me in this prayer over our children. Lord, we are so thankful that we get to come together and um, just remember you and um, just to slow down. I pray that um, during a season that things really start um, picking up the pace, I pray that you would just remind us all to take a pause, including our children. 
Um, Lord, just um, give our kids just constant reminders of how loved they are and how cherished. And we ask all of this in your precious name. Amen. Be still, listen, and hear the stirring, the whispers from above, the cold wind rushing through the valley as if the heavens begin to part. Be still, listen, and hear the chorus. Within the seeming silence, the proclamations of the angels prepare the way, they say. Be still, listen, and hear the promise. The spirit descends and each blade of grass stands taller as if straining to bid it welcome. Be still, Listen and hear the symphony. All of creation in joyous expectation and in the places of stillness and peace, our hearts join in. Waiting in assured hope, listening with ears open to wonder, He is coming. Family, today and throughout this blessed season, dwell in peace. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information, please visit our website at www.ecclesiahouston.org.